everyone. This is Allison Carter, Occupational Therapist with the Milestones Podcast. This is episode 96, part one of the topic proprioceptive sensory processing or just proprioception. Sometimes I think this piece of the sensory puzzle gets either overlooked and ignored or is just generally misunderstood. Hopefully I can help with some of that. I did a show on proprioception a while back in episode 51, so feel free to go back and listen to that one for a refresher or for the first time. You may gain some additional information from that one as well that I may not cover today. Before I get started with that, let me remind you that you can support this show by doing a couple of different things. One of them is by purchasing CEUs of this show on my website at mymidwesttherapy.com. Not only does that help me out, but you also get the benefit of completing some of your license requirements. Look for the yellow Add to Cart buttons under Specific Episodes. You can also help by doing your online shopping using one of the Amazon links on my website. Finally, Become a Patreon member and you will receive additional member-only benefits by joining. You can click the Patreon button on my website or just go to patreon.com and search Milestones Podcast. Now on to the topic for today's show. Proprioception provides information about where our body is in space or where our body is in our environment and where our body parts are in relation to each other. This is done using information mainly from our muscles and from tendons and ligaments in our joints. Tiny receptors in the muscle spindles and in the joints send signals to the brain so the brain can then respond appropriately, meaning it will send signals back to the muscles and joints to help with muscle tone and will help make us ideally help help us ideally make smooth motor movements your muscles and joints send signals to your brain about how much tension and force they are using to do any movements or actions this is especially true with motor movements involving muscles and joints in our arms and legs and i would also include core muscles in there as well You could also describe the proprioceptive system as a system that provides information about where certain body parts are and how they are moving. Most of the time, we just call this body awareness. Proprioception allows us to apply more or less pressure and force when using our muscles and joints to move. Sometimes the signals between the body and the brain get mixed up or the signals get delayed or take longer than we would expect for them to travel back and forth between the body and brain. This is when we start to notice things. This is when we begin to realize a person has some differences with sensory processing. I will talk about those differences in just a few minutes. One other thing to note about the proprioceptive system is that it can be very useful in helping our bodies regulate. What I mean by this is when a person has sensory sensitivities with other senses, we can use the proprioceptive system 
to help calm those sensitivities down. For example, when a child that has auditory processing sensitivities gets overstimulated or overwhelmed at a restaurant, we can try using some proprioceptive strategies to help regulate their body. Let me explain this in regular language. If you have a child that gets upset every time you go out to eat at a restaurant, they're letting you know it's too loud by covering their ears with their hands, crying, covering their head with a blanket, trying to climb under the table to hide, or other signs of potential auditory processing sensitivities. Not only would I recommend using auditory strategies such as allowing them to wear headphones to listen to their favorite song or letting them wear a stocking hat during dinner, but I would also recommend trying some proprioceptive strategies. These might be things like having a weighted object in their lap, wearing tighter clothes or shoes at dinner, or many other options that we will get into and when I talk about strategies and activities more specifically. For now, I just want to reiterate that these strategies can be used to help a person regulate their sensory system. When other senses are overstimulated, this can be a way to help them regulate or calm down those other systems too. On the other hand, it can be alerting for people who need more sensory stimulation more sensory input to be ready to learn or participate in daily activities. Okay, so I've gone over the technical aspects of proprioception. Tension in muscles and joints, body awareness, and all that. But I want to talk about what this really means, what it looks like functionally. Because we can conceptualize the stretch or tension in muscles and joints from an anatomical point of view, but thinking about what this looks like from the outside observer's point of view is something else completely. Keep in mind that a lot of these possible signs or activities that relate to proprioception could also go along with other areas of sensory processing, either by themselves or combined with proprioception. But I want to just focus on the proprioception part for this show. So I won't talk about the other possible areas that might be involved. Just know that if you are thinking, well, that could also be auditory sensory processing or oral sensory processing or whatever, know that you are correct. But I don't want to mix those all in for today's discussion. On one hand, we have those who tend to be under-responsive to proprioceptive stimuli. These kiddos might appear to be lazy or lethargic, but they aren't actually lazy. They may appear to be, but in reality, their body just takes a lot more stimulation to help get them moving. This may be a kiddo who would seemingly prefer to sit still for long periods of time rather than move around. As infants, they tend to stay where you place them. If you lay them on their back on the floor, they just stay there and they seem content. Even though they may have the motor skills to roll over and get crawling, they stay where they are placed anyway. In this instance, they might appear to be lazy or lethargic, when in reality they actually need some additional stimulation to get their body ready to get moving. 
As they start to get older, they tend to sit still and play with one toy for possibly an unusually long time for their age, or they prefer to look at books over and over instead of moving around. They may be delayed in their gross and fine motor skills as an infant and toddler, and possibly leading into their school-aged years because of their tendency to engage in sedentary activities on their own. What does this look like? It's an infant that when you place them on their tummy, around two, three, four months of age, they don't attempt to lift their head up off the floor, or they will only attempt with a lot of encouragement from parents or siblings. They may appear to be unmotivated to lift their head up, roll over, learn to sit up by themselves, crawl, pull to stand and walk, unless they are given a lot of verbal encouragement and some additional stimulation to get them ready and to help them get going. Parents may instinctively do this by, for example, bouncing them up and down on their knee, tickling them, clap their hands together while singing a song, or some other type of stimulating movements before putting them back down to try and do these gross motor activities again. Or they may just let them do it in their own time, which could potentially end up with the child being even farther behind in their motor skills. Other examples, the child may run into walls or furniture a lot. Even furniture in their own home that is always in the same place, but they always seem to run into it somehow anyway. Have you ever seen a child that walks into the back of the couch with their body, they fall down, and they get back up and keep going as if nothing even happened? as if they didn't even notice they just ran into the large piece of furniture in the room, or a child that accidentally bumps into the doorframe when walking through the doorway of one room to the next. The child may fall down frequently in their environment from bumping into things or from just having poor coordination with motor skills such as walking. And when they fall down, they never or rarely cry. Their parent reports that they fall down all the time, but they never seem to get hurt. If the child does cry, it means they really, really got hurt bad. Her perception can be one reason for these things. This is one of the ways to explain what we call decreased body awareness. Maybe in school, they are the child that is constantly bumping into other kids or even just getting too close for comfort in other people's space bubble and not realizing it or correcting it. Another example is that the child may notice the couch in the room, but they have a difficult time figuring out how close they are to the couch, how to walk around it without then walking into the wall near the couch. They're noticing or seeing the objects but can't figure out where their body is in relation to those objects. This child can seem to have uncoordinated motor movements, literally because they are having a difficult time coordinating their arms, legs, eyes, and body to work together to get them around the couch or wherever they're trying to go. In this case, the child may actually lean on the couch or the wall or other furniture to help them figure out where they are where they are in the room. 
meaning when they lean on objects, they can feel their body against the object, and that lets them know where they are in the room. It literally tells them where their body is from the pressure against their skin and muscles. This may feel better or more secure to them to lean against things with a larger part of their body, rather than just weight-bearing or leaning on it with their hands. Having a larger portion of their body touching more of the object can help them start to figure out where their body is in relation to that object. In this case, literally leaning against the object itself with most of their body. Some children will have a really difficult time learning to go up and down stairs. These kids often have an extreme fear of stairs and will refuse to walk up or down even with adult assistance. If you think about what I just said about leaning their body against an object, this should make sense with this situation too. They may have a difficult time figuring out where their body is on the stairs and just holding on to the railing with their hands may not be helpful enough. This can be scary because they may feel like they're going to fall. It is difficult for them to determine how far away the next step is from their body, let alone the rest of the steps in the room at the bottom of the steps and how far away that is. Even an adult trying to help by holding their hands may not be enough. Think about the child wanting or needing to lean their entire body against an object in order to feel where they are in space. This is sometimes difficult to accomplish on a staircase. The child may hold on to the railing bars for dear life with a strong grip and with their body pushed up against it as much as possible. Or, more likely, they will sit down on the steps or lay down on the steps, which gives them a better sense of where their body is because more of their body is now touching the steps. Or they may be so scared of the steps that they cry and refuse to get anywhere near them. If you think about these last two examples without looking at it from a sensory perspective, you might think this child has issues with vision, specifically with depth perception. And that may be the case for some kiddos, but from the sensory perspective, thinking about proprioception, it is a matter of not knowing where their body is in relation to the steps, the railing, the wall, and the room above or below them. For the record, I do not recommend making or forcing kids to do anything, period. This would most likely only end up with them becoming even more scared of the activity and probably losing any trust they may have had with you before that. When I've observed kids on the stairs and they are scared, it is in situations where they started out interested and participated willingly and ended up becoming fearful after that point, sometime during the activity. Which is when we would try to comfort the child, see if they want to continue, but maybe with additional supports, and if not, we find another way to help them get off the steps. I can understand from a behavioral point of view, they might tell me we are reinforcing the behavior of getting out of working on going up and down the stairs, 
But I would tell you from my sensory point of view that the fear is real and they are not choosing to react this way. In this situation, because we were talking about proprioception here, they are reacting because they are afraid. Or they might feel insecure again because of not knowing where their body is in space. This particular situation will require a lot more thinking and planning on how to help a child like this, so they will eventually not feel scared on the steps. Now on the other hand, a child may be seeking out more input. They may need more stimulation of their joints and muscles in order to figure out where their body is in space. This child may be one who kicks, hits, or bites other kids. And no one knows why, because nothing seemed to happen before they did it. The child doesn't seem to be mad and is not doing it in retaliation for something. It could be as simple as they are sitting in their chair at school, swinging their feet forward and back and kicking the student or the student's chair in front of them repeatedly. Most of the time, or possibly all of the time, they don't even know they are doing it until someone, usually the other student, tells them to stop. As an adult, you may even know people that are constantly bouncing their leg up and down when they're sitting. They usually don't know they are doing it either until you say something about how it's driving you crazy and you ask them to stop. For a child who is doing these things, though, they may get in trouble with adults a lot because it can look like they're being mean or being physical with other kids to be annoying on purpose or to get attention or any other behavioral reason. This can be really difficult for OTs to get teachers to buy into. They are seeing these actions from the student all day long in the classroom and it can be hard to look past the behavioral aspect of it and give them the sensory benefit of the doubt, so to speak. Other examples, a child that can't go up or down stairs without stomping their feet really loudly while doing it. Even if you ask them to go quietly on the stairs, they often can't. One child can sound like a herd of elephants walking around the house. With difficulties regulating proprioception, they often use too much force. They have a hard time sending the correct message to their body, muscles, and joints that says how much force to use. And in this case, they use too much. This may be the child in school who breaks their pencils all day long from pushing so hard when they write. They may slam their books down on their desk not because they're mad, but because they can't regulate how hard they're doing it. This might look like a child who is attention-seeking when in reality, their body is just lost. It could also be explained in a way that they are getting some type of muscle and joint input by slamming the books down that feels good to them. And by feels good to them, I mean they're in a way seeking this out because by using more force than is usually needed for setting books down on a desk, for example, they are giving their body additional stimulation to help make them aware of where they are in space. They are using this additional stimulation or forceful action with their arms to help their body and brain register the movement and the feeling of the muscles and the joint stretching. 
Another possibility is that they may miss the desk completely and end up dropping the books on the floor instead. Again, not knowing where their body is in space, and in this specific case, not being aware of where their body is in relation to their desk. On the other hand, kids that are over-responsive in the area of proprioceptive sensory processing tend to avoid active activities because any little movement can seem like a really big one to them. A lot of times, probably the majority of the time, we think about this in terms of vestibular sensory processing, our head moving in space. But for our discussion about proprioception, we are thinking about our bodies moving in space. More specifically, the stretch and pressure of our muscles and joints as we move through space. In this case, an infant or child that prefers to sit still and participate in sedentary activities does so because they don't like the way it feels when they move around, or they don't feel secure when moving around. When they start to crawl or move, the feelings are exaggerated for them. The pressure and stretch on their muscles and joints are way more sensitive than other kids. Any slight bit of weight bearing on their hands and knees for crawling might feel like an elephant is weighing them down because they sense the pressure on their muscles and joints in an extreme way. A child who feels like this may avoid crawling or moving around because any movement feels like a large movement. They might feel like they're moving their body too fast or feel like they're going to bump into things in the environment because their body is overreacting to any little movement and they have a difficult time determining where their body is in relation to people or objects around them. Therefore, they decide it feels safer to just sit or stay in one place instead. Think of it like this. When they start to crawl, the pressure or the stretch on their muscles and joints feels intense or extreme to them. This child might look like one who doesn't want to put their hands down on the floor. They don't want to bear weight on their hands or they try to put less weight through their hands and arms because even just a slight bit of the stretch or pressure feels like they're putting a huge amount of weight through them. In some ways, you might think the child has low tone or maybe weakness in their upper body when they're actually overcompensating for their proprioceptive system response to weight-bearing. There may be some element of fear or avoidance of movement because they can't tell how close or far they are from objects, and they don't remember from experience, they do remember from experience, that they don't like the way it feels when they bump or fall into these objects because the feeling of catching themselves feels so extreme. Some kiddos that are over-responsive like this will show signs of anxiety. The child may appear to be overly nervous or anxious in some of these situations, like going up and down stairs, for example. These kiddos may also be resistant to walking up and down stairs, similar to the under-responsive description, but for different reasons. In this case, it would be because of fear of moving through space and trying to determine where their body is in relation to the stairs. 
they may have the feeling that they will fall at any moment because any movement they do on the stairs feels extreme. It can be difficult to coordinate not only walking, but also crawling up and down stairs. Also, earlier I mentioned using too much force with actions and objects, but in this situation, the child will likely use too little force. For example, they tend to use very light pressure when writing with pencils so that it can be difficult to read what they have written. The child may drop pencils, scissors, or other objects frequently, and using objects for fine motor activities in general may be difficult for them due to this inability to determine how much force to use for each activity. And the overall difficulty with coordinating both of their hands to work together. I'm going to end here for today for part one of proprioception. I've already been working on part two, so it should be done pretty soon. In part two, I will be discussing ways you can try and describe proprioception to parents and families of the kids that you're working with. And I will also give specific details on the types of strategies and examples of activities that you can use to address the proprioceptive sensory needs with the kids. Thank you for listening and for your ongoing support for this show. Have a great day.